everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. And I want to welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. We have an amazing guest today, Rory Ross. And um, I can't wait until you hear the backstory. It's like, Rory, I want to say when I, when I first was reading of your backstory, it mm-hmm. looks like that, um, you know, being on the Star Wars series is more uh, than just a role in a series it's like you have a backstory about the significance of this to you from a young age so um could you tell us about you know what (laughs) it is that made getting this role so um so amazing for you yeah, and uh, by the way, I, I apologize if I just start getting emotional. I, I can feel it already right now. Um, well, I was emotional, uh, you know, and I've been waiting to hear like the story from you. Yeah, uh, so I mean, for for me, I grew up on a, a very small farm in Lockridge, Iowa. Uh, you know, about a hundred people I think lived in the city, <laughs> or if you could call that. I remember our, our, the kindergarten uh, or the elementary school was half post office, half school. And we didn't have a gas station or anything. So it was a very kind of remote location. Um, but I grew up on a farm and we had all these exotic animals, emus, ostriches and, and such. And I remember about six years old, I, I all of a sudden started losing my hair. And, you know, for that, it was also like it was kind of scary uh, in general. But then what I came to know soon after was that my scalp was quite literally falling off. And so. We were trying to figure out what was going on. And I remember going to the local hospital um, there in uh, Mount Pleasant. And we would go over there and we were trying to figure out what was happening. And they sent a part of my scalp to the CDC. And we waited for that. And then I remember they called us in and they went, they had us go into the back entrance. And they wrapped my head in that towel and they told my mom, don't stop, don't go home, go straight to Iowa City. They're waiting for him. And that was about 30 to 45 minutes away, depending on traffic. And we get there. My mom's freaking out. I'm freaking out. And it was like a scene kind of from a zombie movie where like there was a, a hazmat crew that came out, grabbed me, um, went into this decontamination room chamber, went through this whole process and got an IV and went through all these different surgeries in that first day. And I was just traumatized. I was freaking out. My mom was freaking out. The, I remember the, the nurse, she had, um, <laughs> they, they tried to get me to read Curious George because uh, that was my favorite book at the time. And so they, they come over, and I, I hadn't known what an IV was or even really needles, I think, to this point. And I just remember they missed the vein. And obviously I felt that. Yeah. And I remember being like, the jig is up. And then all of a sudden, my poor mom, she's trying to hold me. They brought in other people trying to hold me. Uh, and, and I was just, I was freaked out. And um, they finally got me kind of calmed down, and they, they put me in this room. And my mom went down to the media library and she brought Star Wars A New Hope. And that was the first time ever seen Star Wars. You know, I, I, like I said, I grew up on a farm, so I could already resonate a little bit with Luke and being on Tatooine. And then 
just seeing him overcoming these insurmountable obstacles, it gave me the hope that I was going to be okay. And it was, it was really pivotal because again, that was the first day and I was in the hospital for, I want to say close to a month. Um, and I was in the infectious disease ward after they kind of took me on my quarantine and there were kids that got better. And then there were kids that, that, that was unfortunately the, that was it for them. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, just death at any time is always such a hard, hard thing. I mean, even at my age now, you know, I've, I've experienced a lot of close ones dying and it, and that's, that is a very tough thing. But when you're so young and you're full of life and you think you're invincible and then all of a sudden to see that kind of taken away right in front of your eyes is a whole, a whole different story. And, you know, I just, it meant a lot for me to see Luke and to see, and to see Star Wars at that time. And I remember that like when I was leaving, I said to myself, I was like, I don't know what I'm going to be doing with my life. <laughs> if I'm going to be an astronaut, engineer, whatever it might be, but whatever that might be, I want to give hope and inspiration to people just like Luke did for me. Aww. And so that's something that's just permeated throughout my life. And, you know, and then fast forward just a little bit, when I was 13 years old, my stepdad and I didn't necessarily drive super well, um, kind of like Luke and Uncle Owen. And at 13, I left Iowa and I said, I, I needed a new beginning, a new fresh start. Um, and so I, so I left and that was really tough for my mom, but I, I really thank her for her courage and, and knowing that this was the best thing for me at the time. And then I went to, a, you know, an academy in, in Seattle, Washington. I had to pay 10 grand for my freshman and sophomore year each and then 12 grand for junior and senior year. So while everyone else is getting free education, I'm over here like working two different jobs wow. and scholarships and everything else. And, you know, and, and again, because of the whole thing that Luke kind of gave to me, I've always wanted to pay it forward and give back. And so even when I was in Seattle in high school, I would always go out on the weekends. I'd go to Tacoma or Seattle and I'd give out hot chocolate or something to the homeless. Um, I ended up doing this uh, program, my I guess it was my senior year of high school where I got Walmart and Taco Bell to partner with me. And uh, there was a place called Nicholsville in Seattle. It was a homeless community. And we um, got money to, you know, build them temporary kind of shelters and Taco Bell uh, donated a lot of their tacos and stuff to them during the weeks. And then when I went to college, I originally was going for aerospace engineering. Um, and that's, you know, again, Star Wars, Star Wars is right there too, because like trying to reach for the stars, trying to figure out how to, uh, further on kind of mankind in that sense and um and even there like my freshman year you know i i was left with a bald spot on the back of my head from the the whole fungus part and i always would use used to have my hair like a certain length i would because when i was younger after the whole surgery happened um <laughs> i remember there was a little girl who asked if i was frankenstein because my scalp at the time uh, if direct sunlight hit it, it was sort of like a very sort of scary thing where it would change colors and stuff would happen. And I just remember a little girl saying, like, he looks like Frankenstein. And again, for a, a kid, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a hard thing. <laughs> and so I would wear baseball caps or something like that. But, you know, in, in college that freshman year, a lot of my friends came from high school and they knew they knew me and they were trying to raise money to build bathrooms in Honduras. And so... I just said to the table, I was like, how much would you guys pay if I shaved my head into a rainbow mohawk, knowing that I was going to be vulnerable in the sense of people were going to see my scalp for the first time in however long. But I saw it as an opportunity of 
you know, finding a way to do good with it. And so it was crazy. In three weeks, I raised over three grand to help build bathrooms and I had rocked the rainbow Mohawk and I had pictures of me at the, yeah. <laughs> like the Star Wars uh, where science meets imagination. And that's where what's really crazy is when I went to that exhibition in Seattle and rocking the Mohawk is um, I had pictures of me with stormtroopers and with Tuscan Raiders and like <laughs> the foretelling, you know, the prophecy happening. Um, and so, you know, and then I was in uh, during college that last year, I started to really look more closely at acting. And I remember there was this play called A Time of Green. And I played a chicken named Picard. So I ended up back on the farm. <laughs> and I, uh, I laid an egg on stage. And I remember the like, Picard! And then the egg dropped. <laughs> on the stage. That was my... That was my first foray into acting, into like legitimate acting, I guess. And uh, <laughs> started the whole journey. Oh, like you end wow. up back where I started from. And then I, I went to Seattle and um, got really lucky. I, I got to do some cool commercials. I was part of the ex ambassadors, did a music video with them and uh, with um, AWOL Nation, Bad Wolf. That was super fun. And then I got on a feature film called Seven Witches, and it was definitely not the hopeful character you were you would hope to be. <laughs> I was I was a villain. It was like taking away the hope. I was like ah, um, but it was really cool even during that time because a lot of people were reaching out to me and saying, "Hey, like, thank you so much for like showing me that when you go for your dreams, that it can happen. Like you you are giving us hope." And so that's been something that's been really cool to also you know be threaded along the the line. And then in 2016, I moved to L.A. I was uh, I flew f- first class so I could have cheaper luggage option. I, I was able to have my two bags for free. That was over 70 pounds. <laughs> and uh, it was rocking my my Seahawks jersey, you know, showing off my, my Seahawks. And that gave me like a free drink or something like that. <laughs> but I <laughs> was trying to be frugal right, and yeah. uh, landed landed in L.A. And I had $200 to my name and. Um, I ended up couch surfing for my first, I think, four to six months and, uh, you know, just found a way to continue to persist. Didn't have a car in L.A. and that's really difficult. So if anyone is thinking about going to L.A., cars are beneficial. Mm. Um, <laughs> two to three hours to get the set, uh, taking buses or, or walking. Wow. Um, so I have good calf muscles. I will say that. That, that is that <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and, uh, and then finally was able to get situated and have a place and been a part of, you know, uh, Westworld. I got to be Lee Harvey Oswald in the JFK Declassified series. And then a really cool uh, project that I haven't talked about too much was I played as Chris McCandless from Into the Wild. And I flew out to Alaska and got to experience all, all that. And that was just an amazing time. Wow. Um, yeah. I will say this, and, and I, I want people to hopefully take this to mind, is even when you you start getting your dream and everything else, and, and you know, for me, the acting that was coming true, it doesn't mean it's without hardships. Um, a big part of that was, for me, in 2017, I, I had the amazing opportunity to be uh, Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. I was his stunt and body double in the music video Heavy. Right. And we became friends. And then I remember in July, I was at Comic-Con and I got, my phone was just blowing up, <laughs> sort of similar to how it's been with Boba Fett, but it was blowing up and I, I didn't know what was going on. And finally, you know, I saw the, the TMZ article and that was, 
that was so tough uh, because like Chester and I came from similar backgrounds or, or family life. And I looked up at him because I thought like, Hey, he had it made. And you know, sometimes just because you can make it, you make it doesn't mean the demons go away or that um, things aren't so rough. Right. And that was something that was really important to me. And then when I was doing the Chris McCandless stuff, it was in Arizona. This was two months later. I was uh, in Lee, Lee's Canyon in Colorado on the river. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing a wild stallion running across. And I thought, that's so cool. And I get to the riverbank. And I receive news that my great grandma, uh, who I came out to visit originally in Seattle before I moved out, um, she passed away at 99. And I was like, oh, wow. It was it was surreal because it felt like that stallion was her. Like it just felt like her wild spirit and it was so cool. And then I get back home the very next day and my great aunt who's kind of like my mom in Seattle. She was taking care of my great grandma. She passed away that very next day. Wow. And she, and I, I was a wreck. I went in a fetal position and just didn't know what to do and was so surprised. And then a month later, my, my dad passed away. The one that, you know, we didn't really see eye to eye on a lot, a lot of things. A lot yeah. of times we had made amends. But it was just, it was a lot. And so I took, I took about a, I mean, almost a year kind of away from acting just because, you know, you need time to recuperate. You need yeah, yeah. time to, to, to go through things. And, and even, you know, 2020 was a hard time. I gotten signed with an agency and I was super excited. Like this is my year. And 2020 was like, Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that's why they say hindsight is 2020. I just didn't realize it was going to be so on the nose. Right. Uh, and you know, and then that was, that was a tough time. And I, I, you know, for a quick second thought about doing something else. And I was like, no, I got to stay, stay true to what I want to do. And then it all paid off in February of, of uh, last year, 2021. That's when I was I was talking about my dream to Tamara Maori on the set of uh, a Baker's Dozen. I was a I was a stand-in, but we were talking, and uh, it was it was so sur- surreal in that we were talking about dreams and manifestation. And after we finished talking about Star Wars, about an hour later, that's when the text came in and everything changed hmm. so dramatically. It was, it was an amazing like, holy cow! Like fucking ear, this is Book of Boba Fett. Like I know what that is. You know, Reader is the worst code name you can do to try to hide that it's a Tuscan Reader, but like, um, it was it was so cool, and and you know it just started an amazing, amazing journey. No more, no more Picard laying eggs for you. No, yeah. <laughs> who knows? It might come back. Although I, <laughs> my girlfriend likes me saying it. Like I've I've told her the story, and she just she just laughs at me. She says Picard. <laughs> like it just, the farm life never left you, did it? Uh. Uh, that's hilarious. So is she like Princess Leia or, you know, because I keep <laughs> waiting throughout this for you to say you met, you know, someone that's her because it seems like your life really has been like just full of um, Star Wars references. It, it really has. And it's it's really crazy to think about of all the, the different similarities and the, the connections in that. Uh, Princess Leia. I mean, yeah. I guess she she was definitely. I would say I was the one asking her for that she was my only hope, <laughs> though, in this sense. <laughs> like, 
you know, she's, she's been amazing. And especially with this, you know, she's, she's got her own production company starting and she's an amazing associate producer on, on several different TV shows out there. Um, and she makes a lot of sacrifice too. And so I can't thank her enough for, for allowing and helping me to kind of be on this journey. Also to meet, have these two wonderful cats that are trying to get inside the sound booth as we speak. <laughs> They're all peeking out like, what are you doing, Dad? So I mean, I've been a, been a cat dad now, too. That's pretty pretty cool. <laughs> uh, so uh, just out of curiosity, have you been able to meet any of the original Star Wars people like Mark Harmon or uh, any of them? Mark Hamill? Uh, I, Mark would, Hamill I would. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was like, Mark Hamill, I said, it's NCIS. <laughs> <Here's> another, <laughs> another. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. Um, you know, you and I have been able to to see, I haven't had a conversation with him, that's because of Kenobi, but um, I would love to be able to to express to Mark, to Mark Hamill, of, you know, just the impact he's, he's had on my life, because, yeah. you know, it's just, I can't speak highly enough of, how much Luke has really given me encouragement and inspiration I need to, to go on um, and has been such a, an inspiration to me in general in my whole life. So if Mark, if I had a chance to, to let Mark know that, I don't know how many words would come out. I think I just ended up being like a falling mess and then yelp <laughs> apart and then that, you know, <laughs> it all came out. It would just, it would be amazing to, 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 to talk with him and, and to uh, share that experience. Yeah. Uh, well, you know. maybe he'll hear this episode and <laughs> yes, we'll be sir. like, okay. that, would be that would be fantastic. We've, we've <laughs> actually talked to a lot of people who have met their, you know, like have had chances to meet their idols. And, um, you know, I would say nine times out of ten, it turned into like, you know, they ran and hid or something like that because <laughs> they were just so like, you know, didn't know what to say or whatever. Right. Yeah, I, I think I, that would definitely be me for the first few seconds at least. And then finally, I, I, I would be like, I have to. I have to say something. Because, <laughs> you know, I, I think as actors, that's something that's really cool, too, is when you know that you've made such a difference in somebody's life. Like, you know, when you're doing, you know, whatever it might be. And, and you know, it's like you want the performance to be great. Um, but to know that you've made a lasting impact and leaving a legacy of sorts, I think that's that's the greatest honor as an actor to know that you've given life to that sort of story and given that inspiration to somebody. Right. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah. I can imagine what that would mean to him to know. And, and, you know, I'm sure, um, I'm sure with, with your, um, acting as well, you know, that one day you'll have that experience where, or maybe you have had that experience as, um, you know, through all the projects that you've done, not just with acting. Um, yeah. but have you had chances where people, you know, came up to you and said, like, you've made a, a really big difference in my life. I I have had a few. I mean, and like I said before, when I was, um, you know, even on Seven Witches, because people could see that journey. Um, because when I left Walla Walla, you know, it's one thing for someone to say, oh, I'm going to be an actor. But how many people actually continue with it? Because you get so many no's. Like, it, it is not an easy industry to, to be in. In fact, I just shared a meme that I think is so accurate. It was talking about how uh, Joaquin Phoenix got prepared for being the Joker. The way he wanted to get into the insane mind and, and the feeling insane is that he's just started sending a whole bunch of emails to casting directors and talent agents uh, during pilot season of asking if they're looking for an actor that needs representation. <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> it's, it's true because you're just like you feel like you're always hitting a wall and you're not getting a lot of responses and it's tough on your psyche because sometimes you feel like there's inherently something wrong with you or if someone you know maybe makes a comment and then all of a sudden you start to think that that is a representation of you i mean it's it, it's not an easy job uh by any means and so you know i think when people finally saw that i was you know doing some really cool stuff uh you know even with Lincoln Park or, or, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald, Chris McCandless, whatever it might have been, uh, a lot of people have reached out and just said, it's, it's amazing to see you on the journey and, and you're giving me inspiration and hope that I can, I can do what I want to do with my dreams. And I'm like, heck yeah. Like that's, that's the, the best compliment I could ever get uh, personally for, for myself. Yeah. <clears throat> so is perseverance, um, I mean, is, is that the key do you think, or, what made the difference? What makes the difference? Do you think between the people that make it and those that don't? I think per- perseverance is definitely a big thing of it. You know, the, it's a it's a race, or sorry, it's not a race; it's a marathon. It's a it's, you know, you have to keep up that endurance. I think the other thing too is knowing why you're doing it, um, why in, in in anything that you do, whether you're becoming an engineer. Uh, nurse whatever it might be knowing your why that because that gives you purpose even when times are really tough because if i didn't have my why like that would i think i would have stopped a long time ago but knowing that the reason i do this is because all those years ago i saw a character that i that gave me that hope i needed so desperately in in that situation i said i want to find a way that i can bring hope and inspiration to others just like that and so that has been something that has continued to persist in my life and is the reason why I do what I do. Um, so how do you handle the rejection? Because I'm sure there's probably, um, would you say there's more rejection than acceptance? Yeah. I mean, a strong glass of vodka helps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> So I actually, on, on a more serious note there, I actually don't drink ever by myself. Um, and that's that's partly because of what I've seen as, as, as a kid uh, or that experience as a kid. But it's also, I don't want that to become a, a crux that I go to. So, um, yeah, with the rejection, it's sometimes you just have to look at the different successes that you've had. I mean, honestly, looking back at what people have wrote to me about how I inspired them or why that story meant so much to them that's always super beneficial and, and helping kind of get back in the right headspace, taking a break, going, uh, working out, just kind of getting out any of the frustration that I might have at a given point um, is, is really good. Definitely trying to do better to make sure I don't accidentally take it out on the ones that I love. Cause you know, like my, my girlfriend, she's amazing. Um, and we're both actors too. So that's also a difficult thing where like, you know, thankfully where we, we are getting the same roles. Um, but at times, you know, if she's doing better, then it's it's a harder for me and, and vice versa. And so we have to try to help make sure that we're not tearing the other person down because they're getting success. It's like building each other up and uh, becoming that power couple that's going to rock Hollywood. So y'all better watch out. I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have you all been playing with, you know, combining your names and what you're going to be called? You know, <laughs> we haven't gotten into that one yet. So I don't know. <laughs> Another conversation. <laughs> well, we're gonna think of something, you know, for you. They, oh, hey, if the fans ship us and do like Raylo or whatever, like that, <laughs> <laughs> see what happens there. Uh, 
Do you remember the first audition that you went on when you got to L.A.? <sighs> I'm trying to think. Um, I mean, not off the top of my head. I'm trying to, because Westworld was 2017. Um, I mean, I think that the biggest one that I can remember, and then I'll, I'll go with is, is actually the Chris McCandless one, because I remember at that point, so Chris McCandless, you know, he's this intrepid adventurer. He is deciding that he wants to break free from society and sort of become, you know, a wanderer and, and, and adventure that last frontier, Alaska. And when I went in for the audition, they're like, we like the look, you've got the long hair, you've got the beard and all this stuff. And, you know, but they're like, everything we're seeing on your reel, it's really dark. Like you, you, you kill this person. You've got this saying, like, you know, they're like, we don't know if you can be a happy go lucky guy. And I was like, but that's who I am in reality. Like I probably, <laughs> so I had this sort of like, like, you know, just showed them my personality. And I remember uh, he was like, okay, what I want you to do is go ahead and picture the first time you ever saw mountains. And I was like, that's easy. Cause I said, you know, coming from Iowa, I, I thought hills were like, you know, five, 10 feet tall. Right. And then all of a sudden <laughs> coming across the plains and you see like, holy cow, you know, Mount Rainier, that is, that is a beauty in the Rocky mountains. I was, I was quite literally in awe of the, the majestic aspect of it. Yeah. And so I just pictured seeing Mount Rainier for the first time. He's like, okay, yeah. I think I think you you'll work, and uh, I, I'm so fortunate that they they believed in me because it was such an amazing sort of adventure. You know, I got to shoot in Alaska for, I think it was a week or so, and um, got to actually travel in Chris's footsteps. And then I met Wayne Westerberg, who was the the gentleman that kind of took Chris in when he was in I think it was South Dakota, mm -hmm. and I climbed a water tower. That wasn't necessarily the smartest idea on my part because <laughs> the water tower was pretty tall, so you know. <laughs> I remember like thinking of like this that '70s show when they're always doing the water tower scene, and now I realize like obviously they're, they're they cut that where it's maybe you know just a little bit off the ground, but it makes it look like you're you're. Yeah. Because uh, I I climbed that thing, and I just remember there was no harness, and they had said you know Chris climbed this all the time. I was like, all right, it was in uh, Carthage, and so I started climbing that, and I just remember there was like a piece of uh, a cable in the middle, and I think that's technically what you're supposed to hook onto if you're you're going up there. Right. And all of a sudden, a gust of wind came, and it kind of pushed that off. And I felt like I was going to fall. I, I was halfway up, and I just felt like, oh, my gosh. And I kind of locked my arms in, and I just told myself, this isn't how you die. And I was like, okay, so I took a breath, and I continued climbing, and I got up there. And it, it was a great shot. But, man, was that terrifying. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, that was an awesome movie. I mean, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was just such a good story and great acting mm. and you know it was definitely a great movie yeah i wish i mean obviously i wish that was that was me in the movie but that that was not me i i did the we did it was a special it was travel channel it was called off the map right and um they were just following in his footsteps but yeah uh that was it was crazy and then when what was really nuts is when we were in south dakota there was a lot of people that knew chris mm -hmm. and i remember i was working in the silo we were doing the singing reenactment of it and someone came over to me and they're like, Hey Chris, da 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 and I like looked at him, I was like, What? <laughs> and they're like, oh, I'm so sorry, like you just you just put me back and I was like, Hey, I mean, that that is that's a great compliment knowing that I, yeah. I you know, not just physicality, but also, you know, and the looks and everything. Yeah. Um, but it was also kind of a little eerie. And then uh, <laughs> there was like a ghost story that happened when we were in Alaska 
um, we were sitting on the bed or not uh, the sound guys, they were sitting on the bed and they said they felt like somebody was there with them. But I remember I was watching TV and also I felt like a presence kind of come and it was, it was really uh, eerie because it felt like it was Chris like watching me and he was kind of like, Oh, so this is who they chose to depict me. huh? <laughs> I promise I'm going to do a good job. I promise you. Huh? Um, <laughs> it wasn't, it wasn't a bad ghost experience, but it was just like, all right, I, I promise I'm going to mind my, mind my, mind my T's and, you know, yeah. make sure I cross all the dots. Thing. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we had someone on recently who had some ghost stories and, uh, it was pretty interesting. They weren't, I guess it wasn't a happy ghost. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I've been yeah, lucky so far. So knock on wood. <laughs> I think. Yeah. What was that? Kind of- I, I think the ghost and um, the previous guest, I think, um, was the ghost was named Michael. So it, it was. Oh. Apparently, <laughs> he inhabits a condo somewhere in Malibu or something. So. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> 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 so what is it like I, I was curious too uh, looking at so when you played Lee Harvey Oswald what's that like to uh, you know to play a, a real person from history and uh, you know quite a person <laughs> yeah I mean I, I'll be honest I obviously I didn't really know a lot about Lee Harvey Oswald other than you know that's who I've been told and a lot of people have been told that uh, he was the assassination of JFK but as we go through the story and some of these files have been declassified and things like that. It, it really gets, it gets quite interesting. And just knowing like he went to the Soviet embassy, I think six months before the assassination and knowing about the whole thing when he was in Minsk, um, where he tried to essentially uh, become a Soviet citizen, uh, even though he was a, a Marine. And then he decided to, when they were, the Soviets were saying they were going to send him back to the U S because they didn't trust him he tried to cut his wrist and um, they, they kept him there under watch. They were like, we can't have an American die here. <laughs> like this would be really bad at the time. Right. And so it's <laughs> on a, on a very, it just, it was so interesting, like getting all this kind of backstory and all these different little factoids and stuff. Um, and, and playing that was a bit daunting to say the least. And yeah, it was a very interesting experience. <laughs> <laughs> So you um, you now are, I guess it's kind of the opposite of playing this, you know, real historical person. And now right. you're like more in a, um, you know, a fantasy world, I guess. Um, so so what's that like to transition? And then uh, even just from the the visual aspect of the set and, you know, the way things, the time period, and now you're in a, you know, a, a, like um, a whole new world, I guess. So to speak. <laughs> a whole new world. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's Disney, but, I, you know, they, they pay me yeah. to say no. <laughs> right, sure. So, um, I mean, so, so what's it like to be on a set surrounded by all of this really cool stuff you don't see every day kind of setting i mean it's it's really indescribable in, in so many different ways and obviously the the star wars aspect and how much it means to me uh and that cannot be understated by any regard because this is you know the stories that i've grown up with 
and 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 also to be able to be a, a character that has sort of only been seen as one dimensional ever since we saw them in a new hope they were only seen as kind of barbaric and then you see them in, in uh, episode two attack of the clones and anakin and that whole scene and he slaughters them he treats them as animals that's what he says and so to now depict them as more as a human humanized character and, and understanding that there's so many different tribes and those tribes they'll have their own their own opinions their own thoughts and feelings the, the society and culture and how they react to things and then knowing that each member in that tribe doesn't signify the whole tribe as a whole and that's that's something i think as people that is is important to understand is that when someone does something it doesn't mean that that that's that group or race culture whatever it might be is all the same and so that's been really cool to 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 play and to really explore and, and understand more about the tuscans as a whole um and then, and then, you know, it's just, again, being on Star Wars and seeing the Sansa Tatooine and, you know, the tents blowing. And I remember the wind kind of giving that nice feel of, like, as the, the tents kind of whip up a little bit with their flaps. I will say sometimes that wind was a little too strong and it kind of blew up the tents. Um, <laughs> so you're like, okay, back down, like, punching back down. Uh, but it was, it was so cool. And I remember even that first day on set and, you know, again, seeing the sands and then looking up and you see the one sun, but in your mind, you see two, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing. And then on the flip side, when you're talking about going from, you know, the Lee Harvey Oswald or Chris McCandless, and that's a lot of like on location and all this kind of stuff. And it's a very sort of realistic environment. Right. right. And then going to, to, uh, you know, the book of Boba Fett, there is obviously that, that fantasy element, but Star Wars, and the production design and what Dave and John have put together, it still makes you feel like it's a real place. It's a real world. That sand is real. That sand got everywhere. And it took a while to get that out from the booth. <laughs> you're just like, keep finding it. You're taking a shower the next day and you're like, how is it still here? What's happening? <laughs> um, oh, Got to go through that. But uh, again, you know, they also have, you know, they have the tents. I, you know, they had the banthas and the banthas, are real they they have their their fur or whatever on on them and, and then if you look on one side if they're not filming on that side you can see the kind of the mechanical aspects or if you see um the desert dogs i'm forgetting the correct name but you know from their heads to part of their torso they're real that you can see them and then they're kind of staked down on the ground and they have like their blue aspects so they can use for visual effects but they do such a great job in trying to make sure as much as possible that that landscape and everything else that you're seeing is a physical element and it is it makes you as the actor feel that it's real so um what is it like physically is this a pretty demanding um role to play <laughs> it definitely takes a lot of endurance um because you have so many when you put on the outfit and by the way when when i put on that outfit it's it is or when i put it on it was a very crazy uh, sort of element to it because every time each part of the wrappings are coming on, you feel like you're getting more immersed and immersed into the story and really becoming a character of that. Um, but that also means there's a lot of layers. So you've got, you know, five different layers uh, on the base side. And then you have, once you put on your, your helmet uh, or the mask, you have about five or six different wrappings that go around. And so your head's pretty warm you're it's a little more difficult to breathe also the masks uh that you know all of them have two eye holes 
but inside maybe like like mine for instance it only had one um so it was very tunnel vision from what i remember and and uh the other ones you know they might have the two eye holes but it's about an inch out so then you have no peripheral vision so it takes a little bit of coordination wow. and making sure that's yourself and what's what's next to you you're not bumping into another tuxedo yeah. and that happened <laughs> where like you're thinking you're walking pretty you know pretty tough guy you're coming over to get boba or whatever it is and all of a sudden you bump into the other person and then they're like ah we got to cut because that <laughs> that takes people out of it tuscans aren't bumping into each other it's not bump cars you know <laughs> and I'm like, gotta change that up yeah. so it, it was it was difficult to you know see where you're going when we did the running scenes at night that was uh, a bit difficult because again you know you're you're running and you're not running in a straight line you're not trying to hide your numbers per se but you only have such a narrow pathway and as you're running you've got 10 stakes on either side and because it's night and then the peripheral vision thing we have one guy that accidentally hit his foot on the on the tent stake he was okay for the most part but we called it an early night soon after that so mm. you know um and and props to, to disney just trying to make sure if, you know if anything did happen they took care of us and made sure that we were we were okay and um, and, you know, even my first day, I remember when I was inside the outfit, I was trying to be a tough guy and I wasn't trying to be a pain in the arse at all. <laughs> and, uh, I remember they called for mask break and that's where you just take off the mask, get some breath air and they were doing a camera change. And I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll be fine. So I, I was like trying to get my head a little bit in the shade and John Favreau comes over and he kicks me and he's like, Hey, you, you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm fine. He's like, you don't have to be a tough guy. Like you need, you know, you need a mass break or water, like go, go do it. I was like, Oh no, I'm okay. But I was just freaking out at that point. I was like, Oh my gosh, John's talking to me. So I like, my body didn't know what to do. It was just kind of like, and just, <laughs> trying, to, trying to respond to this crazy interaction of like, you know, so I guess that goes back to about meeting your heroes. Maybe, maybe I would be just in a state of shock. like, Oh, Mark, this is yeah. so great. Uh, Mark, come up. Uh, <laughs> wow. Look, it's Mark Harmon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, you know, it's but it, again, like the, even even John and Dave, when they were there or the ADs or anything, they were always trying to make sure that you're staying hydrated and taking care of yourself. So you bet. After that first day, I, I certainly took them up on any mask break <laughs> that came about. <laughs> let's let's stay hydrated. Let's let's stay living <laughs> and not become part yeah. of the sands of Tatooine. <laughs> So when you look back at your journey from like age six until now, um, you know, and you're on the set and you're, you're acting out these scenes that you, you know, visualize from a young age, um, is it the way you thought it would be? I mean, not at all. What I never, I never honestly would have seen me actually getting on, on Star Wars. It it is you have, um, and I think this is actors or even as people, you often feel very unworthy of good things that come your way. And it, it, it takes some processing of being like, no, I have put in the work. I have put in the time, especially, you know, when you're, you're persisting and you continue to endure. Um, and so I, it's still always a pinch me moment of being like, let alone coming from Iowa. Like, you know, I came from a place of 100 people and now I'm in L.A., like it's it's uh surreal to to believe and and hard to believe often to to even realize that aspect but much less to understand that now i'm part of of canon i'm part of star wars that people have seen me on screen and they're going to see me on screen again in kenobi Mm -hmm. and you know it's it is so uh 
it's it's indescribable to be completely honest and i am forever grateful and thankful and i will continue to say that till the day i die even to my kids be like you know that that was cool <laughs> yeah i was in star wars <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, people so for people it. the listeners we have that um you know obviously there will be a lot that are star wars fans um there may be some that have never never watched so um you know why should they watch the book of boba fett yeah it was so for me that's it's a great question because if they haven't seen Star Wars, I, I hope they, they go ahead and start with A New Hope because that's, I, for me, that's always going to be the Mecca. It's always going to be that the greatest storytelling that I've seen in a long time. And George did a great job with the poetry aspect of it and, and the storytelling. Uh, with Book of Boba Fett, especially if you're a Star Wars fan, I look at it as, you know, yeah, there's there's some mobsters stuff going on. And you can kind of look at like maybe it's like a mafia family and all this kind of thing going on. But I think it's really a twofold story that Boba's identity and and breaking free of some of those bonds you know when people started seeing the tuscans in episode one and they were like ah oh, why are we seeing the tuscans like it doesn't seem like it's aiding to the story why can't we stay in the present time of after mando is meet boba like why can't we see the continuation of that he's, he's taking out you know uh Biff fortuna so why why can't we stay more focused on that and then when episode two came out and people started understanding this backstory and understanding the important element that the tuscans played in boba's life you know, I, I, the, a great, I, I don't want to say this was Star Wars Unexplained that really did this well, but it was talking about basically with the, the child, the, the Tuscan child, Boba sees himself as that, you know, when he, when we see him, first time we ever see him on uh, Geonosis or, I mean, in uh, Camino, and then on Geonosis when he sees his father, you know, be taken out by Mace Windu, he is, he is innocent. He is up to that point. He, he was just a, a child. And so Boba sees the child is that. That's why he spares his life. And then you go to the Tuscan warrior played by Joanna Bennett, who um, amazing stunt doubles for Gal Gadot and, you know, stuff with Justice League as well as Captain Marvel. Super badass. Uh, but she sort of imbues that character of Boba where we see him in Empire Strikes Back, where he is he is a badass. He is somebody that is fierce, is a warrior. But even at that time, in Empire Strikes Back, Vader tells him no disintegrations. And Boba has to listen to that. He has to listen to a chain of command. He's still, mm. uh, in a sense, like not completely free. Then you see the Tuscan chief. And the chief sort of resembles that element of he's there as a leader. He takes care of his people, but he doesn't answer to anyone. He's, he's just part of that community to make sure that they're, they're okay. And I feel like that's what Boba's trying to live up to. And that's what we start to see play out and why he's you know, doing what he's doing in the, in the present time. And then also, as his journey is going on, when he comes back and he goes through the whole initiation, when we see him uh, you know, going through that spiritual journey and he's being wrapped around the tree and you see Camino and the sort of tumultuous waters, and then also understand that that Tatooine used to be covered in, in the ocean, um, has a, a very poignant storyline with that but it's also that turmoil inside boba because he's always been trying to live up as his father or he's trying to avenge his father he's never been himself and so when he finally breaks free and and you see him take away that that limb that he takes for his gaff gaffy stick um that's an important element because now it's like boba's free he's he's free to be who he wants to be he no longer has to live inside these constraints of what people thought he should be 
And then also the family that he's been taking by, taken in by with the Tuscan Raiders, it's sort of that only family that he's really ever had where it's not something is expected of him. Because in Clone Wars, we saw him with Orisang and Bosk, but they're not the best, you know, like child representations of what you should do as, as an adult or, or somewhere, you know? They're bounty hunters. They're not exactly there to make sure that he's going to be okay. It's more of like, look, we'll train you, but if you die, like, you die. Like, that's that's how it is. Yeah. Whereas the Tuscan Raiders, they take him in and they say, no, you're part of our community. And the only thing you have to be is to be present and be with us and live with us. And so that was so cool to see. And, and I, you know, I'll, as a fan too, I'm, I'm going to be very curious to see how Boba continues to show that element and how it played such an important role as we're going on into this present storyline. Awesome. Well, so um, this is on on Wednesdays. Is that that correct? It is. But uh, for those that are, are big fans and don't want to get spoiled, um, you can check it out on Tuesdays at midnight. Uh, it releases at Pacific Standard Time. And you can check it out then. Um, that's when it gets launched. But obviously, you know, uh, Wednesday, it will be out and ready for you to watch. Uh, episode three just came out. Don't want to spoil it, but it's uh, it's a hard one for us Tuscans. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's again, it's it's really cool to to see the storyline go and and hopefully uh, we get a, a bit longer of an episode come episode four because episode two, which people seem to really enjoy, that was about fifty four minutes long, and then we went to episode three and that was about thirty ish. So hopefully we're we're gonna get more, but uh, there's uh, seven episodes in total, and and so episode four will be the next one next week. Awesome. What's your uh, what's your next project after this? So, um, or my next can, project. If you can talk about it, <laughs> right? Well, I can't say I, I am a stormtrooper in Kenobi. Right. Um, that's really as much as I can say there. However, kind of leading into that, uh, I will be doing a Tuscan watch party with myself, uh, another friend of mine, and then my buddy Warren Prue. He was the stand-in for Kenobi, uh, for Ewan, and he's already announced that. Obviously, we won't be talking about Kenobi, but we'll be talking about our experience on, on set and kind of getting the behind-the-scenes and right. all that stuff. That'll happen after all the episodes have released, so we don't do any potential spoilers. But all the proceeds from that event will go to the Iowa City Children's Hospital, which is where my Star Wars journey began all those years ago. Aww. That is great. So we're really excited about that. So that's that's the, that's the big thing um right now for me and then my ultimate dream would to be well you know i guess i'll preface with this so and mandalorian season two we saw luke skywalker come out and that was amazing i know myself and many other fans got emotional when i saw the x-wing i was like oh my gosh that there's no way about luke and then seeing the green saber and him just like owning the purge tubers was so great um uh, i was i was really i was really excited so I feel like it is a plausible dream now, but if they show Luke Skywalker's uh, Jedi temple before it got ransacked by the Knights of Ren and Kylo Ren, I would love, absolutely love to play as one of his students at his Jedi Academy, Hmm. because that would be the fullest circle to go around. And that's why I've told uh, Star Wars in general, like I said, I will do whatever you want me to do in terms of any roles, as long as my face isn't shown until I get this opportunity. And so in that part, again, trying to like make sure that I'm doing as much as I can to be ready for that opportunity should it come. 
I'm doing stunt classes at this uh, stunt gym called Jam and then doing acting classes and all this stuff. So I'm just trying to, again, it's all about that manifestation. And, you know, now that I've seen how well it works throughout my life, I'm like, there's something to it. And so, you know, I, I want the world to kind of know and, and if they want to follow the journey, they can follow via born to be a Jedi.com or my socials, the Rory Ross, and they can follow along and, and check out everything. It sounds like I might be doing some fan expos as well. Uh, I've gotten some invites. So this is kind of, it's cool. a very cool and crazy thing. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, is this really like, I, I almost feel like I'm going to be like Boba waking up in a back to the tank and be like, Oh, it was all a dream. You know? <laughs> so until that happens, I'm going to live it up as much as possible and try to make as much difference in the world as I can and, and pay it forward. Uh, as what's happened for me. That's awesome. Aww. So we, we ask everybody this same question, I think, or probably almost everybody, but uh, uh, any <laughs> celebrity crush or, you know, someone that you are just like dying to meet kind of thing? Well, I'll answer the celebrity crush first. Um, okay. There's an amazing actress uh, that I've, I've really adored for a long time. Her name is Allison Marie, Allison Marie Reyes. Um, and she did this movie called Shine Bright. I'm trying to think of some other things that uh, she, she's doing. She just did a sci-fi movie. Um, but she's my girlfriend, and I am so happy for her. And... <laughs> so, I nailed the crush. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I was waiting for her, like, I feel like she's in the other room, and she's like, you better choose your words yeah, carefully. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, no, she's definitely my crush I, and my love of my life. Um, my my co-pilot, so I never fly solo anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, in terms of who I'd love to meet and, and work with, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. would be amazing. Right. Uh, you know, Marvel is one of, my, one of my favorite sort of film series, and Iron Man is always... Oh, I mean, when he... Hopefully this isn't a spoiler because everyone's seen Endgame by now. But when he did the snap and said, I am Iron Man, I was an emotional wreck. <laughs> and I started crying. And my girlfriend was laughing at me. She's like, it's okay. It's, <laughs> it's Iron Man, though. He's dead. I'm like, I don't feel so good right now, okay? Like, <laughs> Get a grip. Like, what if I said that about Captain? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So Robert Downey Jr. would be amazing uh, to work with. And, um, and Dave and, and John to work with them in a more uh, one-on-one way to be a character right. would be a guy. That would be amazing. All right, Kat, one more question. Uh, well, I think you addressed it a little bit, but uh, I always just like to ask if you have, you know, one word of advice for the listeners of, um, you know, if they, if they want to pursue acting or, or they want to just make the world a better place, like what, um, what advice do you have for that? You know, that's that's a great question. I One of the quotes I, I came up with uh, a few years back was, we all have the ability to do great things. Sometimes it takes someone else's eyes to see what already lies within. And that's an important thing to realize your power and your strength to know that each and every single one of us have these amazing gifts and talents that we, that significant, uh, that make us different than everyone else and allows us to give back to the, to the world. And so, you know, again, figuring out your why, why you, why you're doing something that is so important when things get tough and to know 
that that's the thing that continues to give you strength and continues to propel you forward. So that's, I mean, that's the biggest thing I would really say is just recognize your gifts and recognize that you're talented so that you are worthy of what is coming your way and what you want to do. And then to f- figure out your why, figure out why you're doing this. Why is it so important to you? Why is it your mission statement or your life statement, your purpose? And then go forth and, and do it and do, do less more often. I think um, sometimes we try to do so much and we get overloaded and we, you know, that burns us out. It leads to burnout and exhaustion. So if you just do, you know, like when it comes to acting and you're like, oh, you know, I want to reach out to all these agents. Well, just reach out to one agent and, you know, and then after you've done that, then go ahead and you plan and research that agent and then you do another reach, agent reach out. But don't don't try to do everything all at once. Try to be a little bit more on the on the balance side. Find the balance of the false and you will be strong. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> good advice (laughs) I think I'm going to follow that myself Um, well it has been a pleasure having you on this episode of Backstory Sessions you have an amazing backstory and um, you know I'm just really inspired by the whole circle of life kind of theme that you have there Um, and not all the backstories, of course, have that kind of theme. Everyone has a story, but right. uh, this is really, it's been amazing. And I, I thank you so much for sharing it with us. Well, Kathy, Matt, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on, being able to have the chance of uh, telling my Star Wars story. And, and I really hope it does give more hope and inspiration to uh, you and, and viewers, viewers out there. I, I really appreciate it. And may the force be with you. And you know, I just like to hear that chicken line one more time. <laughs> All right. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> oh, <that's hilarious. laughs> uh, Hold on a second. I laid an egg. I gotta. Uh, I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. Rory, thanks for uh, coming by and talking to us. We really appreciate it. Hey, thank you guys so much. I, I appreciate you guys and, and look forward to seeing it myself. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Kat at IWritePlays at Outlook.com or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. <laughs>